Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. So glad you're with us. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder, and I'm thrilled that we have Dr. Steve Crane with us again. He personally taught me a lot when I left Mormonism. One of the things I really struggled with was, can I trust this Bible? I had been told it that it wasn't translated correctly and that plain and precious things had been removed. But I found out that wasn't the truth. And a lot of things I learned from Dr. Crane. Dr. Crane, welcome. Hey, it's so great to be back with you again today. Well, so good to have you back on the podcast. And for those who may be joining us, this is actually episode three with Dr. Crane. So if you didn't catch episodes one and two, please do that. They're worth listening to. Lots of information, lots of documentation in the show notes. So this... in the last one, we talked about manuscript evidence, right? And yes. so we're and... going to talk about other evidences as well for the Bible. So we, we all know that the Bible is under attack today. There are mm-hmm. uh, people that attack Christianity, but when they attack Christianity, one of the primary places they do that is the authority of the Bible as the word of God. And so there's some people that say the Bible's irrelevant. Some people want to say it's a myth. Some people even say it's harmful in terms of uh, cultural issues. Some call it ancient history. Um, some might call it good moral teaching. But uh, I want to say I believe the Bible for what it purports itself to be. I believe the Bible is the word of God. And it's in our instruction manual uh, for life and living, what God wants Mm -hmm. from us and how life is designed by God. And so I believe the Bible is inspired. I believe it's the infallible word of God. And the question is, well, can we defend that claim? So on the last podcast, we talked about manuscript evidence. And we talked about the fact that when it comes to the Bible, there's so much more manuscript evidence than for any other book of ancient literature. And so I'd encourage you to go back and and listen to that. But I want to use an acronym for you to help you defend the Bible as the word of God. It's simply the word MAPS. And so I want to chart out a course for you, for you to defend the Bible as the word of God. And so again, let the M stand for manuscripts and all the manuscript evidence. And again, we've got stronger evidence for the Bible than any other work of ancient literature. And we've talked about people like Homer and Plato and Aristotle and Tacitus and others that we would go back and say, of course, those are historical figures who wrote for us, but um, far more evidence for the Bible than any of those works of ancient literature. We also talked about uh, uh, early church fathers and other things. And so I challenge you to go back and listen to that podcast, but I want to go deeper in our MAPS acronym, so MAPS M manuscripts. I want to talk about other convincing proofs for the Bible as the Word of God. And so when we look at the A in MAPS, I would like that to stand for archaeology. And the question is, is there evidence, is there real hard and fast evidence that uncovers the validity of the Bible? And the answer to that is, again, overwhelming evidence. I lead tours every year to Israel, and I'd love to invite you to come along with me uh go to israel Mm. with me and we can go and you can walk the places where jesus walked and go through the lands of both the old and the new testament and 
as you go on these tours, you'll realize there is comprehensive field work for, uh, uh, that uncovers the reliability of the Bible. Just every place you step, it uncovers the validity of scripture. And what's I think really entertaining for me is over the years to see secular scholars who have dismissed the Bible, who constantly have to revise their speculations uh, about what they think happened. And so if we go back about 70 years ago, um, there were 50 supposed problems with the Bible and things that were wrong with the Bible. And it's been fun to watch as one by one, all those supposed problems of scripture, um, they've all been uncovered by archeology. span Wow. Israel, uh, highly recommended, highly recommended. Mike and I have been three times. We were just so blown away by the evidence. So real quickly, a story. Got a phone call one day from a woman who had been a part-time religion professor for the Mormon, one of the Mormon church universities. And she went to Israel because she was just enthralled kind of because of the Bible. And she was so enthralled, she stayed an entire year. And at the end of that year, got a hold of me to say, you know what? The Bible is totally reliable, and I'm not sure the Book of Mormon is. She has since left the church and found the Lord of the Bible. But certainly the evidence, the archaeological evidence, is overwhelming. Yeah. Well, you can take out your Bible, and you can open up its pages. And about every page of the Bible, you can go and you can read about a river or a lake or a city or a town or a mountain. And then you can go and you can find those places in Israel or other places the Bible describes. And so it shouldn't surprise us that um, when we go and we take out our Bible, we should be able to uncover evidence that talks about its reliability. And some of those things that uh, scholars used to scoff at, for example, for years, there was not any reference to the house of David. And yet that's a, that's a phrase in scripture we see over and over again. Well, it's interesting yes. that there was a uh, uh, excavations at Tell Dan. Now that's one of the biblical descriptions of Israel from Dan to Beersheba. Well, at Tell Dan, just recently, just in the last couple uh, decades, um, they yeah. uncovered a rock shaped as a pomegranate. Now it had been carved out to look like a pomegranate. And of course, on that rock, it mentioned the line in the house of David. And so, um, you know, just a simple thing that you find uncovered. Well, here's a, a um, an artifact that, that mentions for us the house, house of David. Well, that's a Tel Dan. You need to go visit Tel Dan because if you go up to Dan, you can go and you can see a couple of gates that they've uncovered. The first uh, mm -hmm. gate is a, a relatively new gate. It only dates back to the time of David. I, I, I smile when I say that because we're talking <laughs> uh, a thousand years BC, yeah. right? So 3,000 yeah. years old. But you can just go up around the corner from there and they've uncovered what is called Abraham's gate because it dates back to the time of Abraham and the children of Israel would have seen this gate. And you need to realize that that uncovery, that uncovering of this gate, that takes us back to 2100 BC. So over 4,000 years ago, and it takes us clear back to Genesis chapter 14. And you start thinking wow. Genesis chapter 14, you can't go back much farther than that. And so just these kind of un, un, uh, unearthings that archeology span presents to us and time after time that, uh, the spade has proven the reliability of the Bible. In fact, maybe a name you're familiar with, Sir William Ramsey, who is a trained archaeologist. He set out to disprove the Bible and specifically attack the book of Luke and the book of Acts because they're very, very detailed accounts. And Luke, as a, a doctor, a trained historian, he gives us all kinds of details. It would be easy to 
well, to prove or to disprove. And so he set out to disprove the Bible. And here's what he found out. But Luke was exactly right. It's small details, the way the wind blows, uh, how deep water is at a certain distance from shore, uh, the kind of disease on a particular island, that in each of those cases, Luke was right and the skeptics were wrong. Or mm. I'll just give you one other example. Um, many people questioned a name Pontius Pilate. Now for Christians, we realize this is one of the, the villains in the crucifixion story, right? And so, mm -hmm. but people question Pontius Pilate and particularly the title given to him in Luke. Well, if you went to Caesarea by the sea, a pretty recent discovery beginning about the 1970s, they've unearthed a, uh, a theater there, remarkably preserved. And guess who had box seats? Pontius Pilate. And you can see his name inscribed there. And so um, it's just fun to go through <laughs> all the wild. archaeology. And it actually doesn't take a archaeologist to discover that the Bible talks about real places and real people and real events. Which means it has maps. So the archaeology proves ge geography, right? It proves plants. It proves zoology, animals, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we talked about in our last section that every area where the Bible can be tested, it can be trusted. And so find out how far the Bible says it takes to travel on foot between city to city. And that's what it's going to be. And you find out, you know, the bodies and lakes and uh, bodies of water and lakes and rivers and mountains, as mentioned in the Bible, you can go and, and unearth those, those things. And so archaeology is a great proof of the reliability of scripture. So not only do we have our manuscript evidence, we also have archaeology. In fact, some of the great historians, um, uh, had said just as much that uh, William Albright, for example, says critics of the Bible are antiquated. <laughs> Remarkable uh, statistics. Uh, the archaeological spade is a friend to the Bible. And so love to, to talk about archaeology, but I know I need to, to move on a little bit. How do we know the Bible's word of God? Uh, well, not only manuscripts and archaeology, but prophecy is a very telling um, factor from scripture. And so I would ask the question, how do you explain the predictive nature of biblical prophecy? And you can go back and you go to the Old Testament. And we've got copies of the Old Testament. If you go back to the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament, we know that took place, it was translated 200 years before Christ. And many of the books that we talk about in the Old Testament written 1000 BC or 700 BC, like uh, the Psalms or Isaiah, and they make all kinds of predictions, for example, about the birth of Christ and the manner of Christ's death and that he would be crucified between thieves. And the Bible predicts events that couldn't be explained. It couldn't be known or predicted by chance or, or common sense in terms of not a bone of Jesus' body would be broken or that uh, he would wear a seamless robe. Those are all things found in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And prophecy is so telling that even critics of the Bible, when they go back and they study biblical prophecy, those who were formerly opposed to the Bible come back and it, they say it's it's too accurate. I mean, how, how can you explain this? In fact, uh, there are people, the only way they uh, explain prophecy is, well, that prophecy must have been written after the fact because it's yeah. so telling. But again, when you go back and, and uh, study biblical uh, manuscripts and archaeology, you realize that, no, these prophecies really are. They were written when they said they were written, and yet they're so telling. And for example, Nancy, go ahead. 
One of the most impactful personal studies I ever did was reading through the Old Testament and writing down prophecy and then writing down fulfillment of this prophecy, prophecy, fulfillment of this prophecy. I was just amazed over and over and over and over and over, right? And, and then all of that leading to Jesus and then Jesus fulfilling all these Old Testament prophecies. Yeah, the prophecies of Christ are so telling. Just do exactly what we've said. Go back and, and write down all the things that the Old Testament says the Messiah will be, that the Christ will be, and go and, and read those in the New Testament, and you'll realize uh, just the probability that this happened by chance or accident. It's beyond speculation. And in terms of uh, this has to be what it says it is. And so the best ones are, are about uh, the life of Christ. And so I believe that predictive prophecy is so telling it's capable of convincing um, even a hardened, hardened skeptic the Bible is indeed what um, it says it is. And so, by the way, not all, not all prophecy in scripture has been fulfilled. Some of it's still right. That's right. to come. And so, and I would use a similar phrase, if, if we know that all the prophecies that have, have been fulfilled have reached their complete fulfillment, what about those that are yet to come? And I would say, well, we can expect complete fulfillment of those as well. Which but certainly in this day and age, people should have some interest. Oh, yes. In. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, why don't you give the audience a couple of profound ideas of fulfilled prophecy? Yeah. In, in Something they of, might not know that might knock their socks off. Yeah. So um, the Magi, uh, when they go to, uh, to find the Christ child, they know to look in the sky. Well, that's because... Um, that was a prophecy of scripture or that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Um, you know, that, that, that's found in scripture. Again, I, we already talked about the manner of his death, uh, being crucified, his throat being parched and not a bone being broken, that he would uh, wear a seamless robe that, uh, he, he would be crucified, uh, and share, uh, uh, be crucified between thieves. That's a prophecy of scripture that he would, be buried in a tomb that nobody had been laid in before. Uh, those are all, all prophecies that we find in the Old Testament um, about Jesus. And even in, in terms of that he'll be a miracle worker and that he'll heal the sick and, and the, the blind and the lame and those type of things, all, all are predicted for us in the Old Testament. Mm. Wow. And to point out, Jesus himself believed in the Bible, did he not? How, many, how often did Jesus himself quote scripture yeah i mean time after time i can't give an exact number but uh, <laughs> yeah. quotes you know to quotes uh scripture and calls it what it is calls it the word of god which means what he believed it was true right it wasn't like he was saying this is doubtful i don't know yeah, yeah. no even uh, i'm just thinking on the, about the sermon on the mount that jesus goes you know you've heard it said he quotes scripture time and time again or even with the temptations jesus references scripture as it said in the word of God. And so Jesus certainly believed the Bible to be exactly that. Uh, the scripture was God's word. So we, we have briefly talked about, we've talked about uh, manuscripts and we've talked about archeology span and I would throw into that prophecy that uh, when it comes to manuscripts and their accuracy and archeology span and its testimony and biblical prophecy and its fulfillment, um, what are the chances that's just accidental? What are the chances that all that happened just by chance or coincidence, which leads me to my last category I want to talk about. And it's simply this. What about the st statistical probability of all this just happening? All the manuscripts we have and the remarkable 
evidence the Bible has pre been preserved accurately for us? What are the chances that just happened? Or um, archaeology, what are the chances that, yeah, just kind of coincides with what we thought might be true? And uh, time after time after time, the Bible pro is proven by archaeology. What are the chances that just being coincidence? And then certainly with prophecy, um, you know, modern day prophets, if they're right 50% of the time, we, we hail them as some great, uh, you know, guru or, or something. But, and usually their prophecies are so generic, they, they amount, they could be fulfilled by about just about anybody or anything, right? The right. Bible is very specific. And so my, my honest question to you is, what are the chances this is just all accident? Well, how do, how do we come to statistical probabilities then? Because I'm sure there are ways to kind of quantify the odds, you know, what are the odds that this amount of specificity would truly happen uh, in the statistical part? Is that part of it where you do some Absolutely. calculation? Yeah. And, and in fact, uh, you don't have to base this on my calculations, but uh, uh, you can go and you can, you can find uh, resources. We'll talk about the chances, statistical probability of even the prophecy in Isaiah chapter nine, six about uh, his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of peace, everlasting father, those kind of things. And they liken this to take, uh, uh, let's take the state of Texas and let's cover it with silver dollars and let's cover it with silver dollars a foot deep and take one of those silver dollars and paint it red and mix it up over the state of Texas and put on a blindfold and go and just what are the chances of you stopping and picking up that one red coin? They say that's the chances of... Uh, statistical probability of the, the biblical prophecy from Isaiah. And it's just kind of mind boggling. And my, mm -hmm. my dad's written a, a book, The True and Reliable Word of God. We'll reference that. But he, he tells the stories and shows the predictive, predictive nature um, and how they come to those conclusions. But it's just overwhelming, you know, that that would just happen by chance. But let me give you some other um, details. Okay, the Bible, okay. Uh, 66 books written over a period of 1600 years, written by about 40 different authors, written in three languages, really, uh, Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, uh, written by people on separate continents. And yet all those people, most of whom had never met each other, might not have even spoke the same language, not even lived on the same continent, right? One book that has one non-contradictory theme. Yeah. How do you explain that? Uh, the Bible has one common thread that runs through it, and that's Jesus Christ. And the Old Testament shows the need for Jesus, and predicts Jesus, and points to Jesus. And the New Testament points back to Jesus and saying Jesus is the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies. And so we find, you know, every book of the Bible has a, a purpose and a reason and a, a clue of who Jesus is. And how does that happen just by chance, accidents, coincidence? And the answer, in my opinion, is... It can't. There has to be uh, there has to be an architect for that. And of course, I believe that architect's God. And so you start talking about the mm -hmm. statistical probability. And uh, I've got other things in terms of if Christianity is not true, the Bible's not the word of God. How do you explain things, for example, like our calendar? Uh, you know, the basis for our calendar is, you know, in the year of our Lord or um, our calendar. Why, why do we celebrate uh, on a day of worship? Let, let me ask you this. What the, the Old Testament, the Jews worshiped primarily on the Sabbath, which was Sabbath. Yes. Mm -hmm. And something happens that changes the day of worship for a Christian from the Sabbath to Sunday. Well, 
how do you explain that? Well, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we celebrate Jesus Christ. Well, what are the chances that just happened by, by accident? And uh, how do you explain the course of nations that have been changed by Christianity? How do, you, uh, how do you explain all the humanitarian works that have happened in the name of Jesus Christ? And you've got to stop and say, Jesus Christ changed history. I don't think there's anybody that would argue that Jesus Christ was a historical figure. And certainly for many, maybe even for most, Jesus Christ changed the course of history. How do you explain that? Is that just an accident? Is that just an anomaly of types? Or is there something else going on? And I'd even take it a step further. And I'd say, Jesus Christ has changed my life personally. And so these are all uh, anecdotal, maybe. But there are evidence for me that we can believe the Bible as the word of God. And so when it comes to the manuscript evidence and the archaeology and the prophecy, and even for me, the statistical probability that it's just all chance and circumstance or happenstance, it's beyond the realm of, uh, of speculation or imagination that just happened. And so it's all about Jesus, isn't it? It is. All yes. about Jesus. The book I wrote called Unveiling Grace, that unveiling is the unveiling of Jesus, right? The book of Revelation, Revelation means unveiling. It, the entire Bible is all about unveiling who Jesus is. Jesus is in the Old Testament, folks, if you're not aware. Jesus has been God from eternity past and will be into eternity future. And he is what changes everything. Right. And that would be... The challenge I would want to leave with our listeners, whether you've read the Bible for your whole life or whether you've never picked up the Bible, pick it up, read it with fresh eyes. Um, there are lots of different translations that are good, that are reliable. Pick a translation you've maybe not read before and just read the Bible asking yourself the question, who is God? what does he want for me? What does he have for me? And then who is this person, Jesus? Especially now as we come up on, well, we're recording this now the week before Easter. This will probably air a few weeks after Easter, but Easter is a time when people kind of, sometimes it's the only day of the year people go to church, um, either digitally or in person. But as you've maybe been encouraged by Easter to think about God or to think about Jesus, even if you just take five to 10 minutes a day in the word, and I would encourage you to start with any of the gospels. Um, Mark is a lot of fun because Mark is a short gospel, um, high impact. It's fast moving. Um, John is a great gospel because there's so much about who Jesus was and John understands the Old Testament and a lot of how Jesus fulfilled this stuff. So you find that there. And then the other place I really have come to love is the uh, letter of Paul to the Ephesians, because he builds um, on the importance of who Jesus is. And then the book of Hebrews is phenomenal because it keeps going back to the Old Testament and pointing out all the Old Testament people and saying, but you know what? All these different people in the Old Testament, Jesus is superior to all of them. So that, that's just my encouragement to you as a listener. Even if it's just 10 minutes a day, commit yourself to just opening the word and reading it with no other agenda than to hear what God would have 
for you because he's a personal God and he wants to pursue you personally. He wants to speak to you personally. And that's where and how he does it. Or, or download one of the apps, you version, and the audio will read the Bible right to you while you're oh, driving down the road. It's amazing. I have started using you version and using, I've been using you version for a long time, but uh, the message version, which is um, a much more colloquial, um, I under, my understanding is it's very faithful to the, the original manuscripts, but it's a very um, kind of colloquial, more modern translation. But to have that read to me, um, it's been amazing just the difference if you're someone who you're really familiar with the Bible through like something like the King James Version um, or even the NAA, the NIV, the NSAB, NASB. Wow. Um, yeah. Pick a translation that's new and read it with fresh eyes. Joel is grew up in South America and is very high context culture. So like the message is is good for folks probably from that i'm much more linear so yes <laughs> i like the almost more linear translations but god has given us many options has right so any final words we're pretty much to the end of another podcast episode wow. dr crane thank you so much just for this whole maps this illustration of this acronym of manuscripts and archaeology prophecy, prophecy and, and statistical probability yeah, just so. say, next time somebody uh denies the reliability of scripture just remember maps as this roadmap uh to be able to defend uh, your faith in, in scripture thank you so much so much and certainly um you can find some good teaching those of you who are leaving mormonism and looking for online sermons um dr steve crane at eagle christian church we appreciate you thank you oh, for sharing all right another podcast episode in the books mm, grace Thanks and so much. peace all right so long thank you for listening to the unveiling grace podcast Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.